Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a Buffalo Bills podcast from an all-female perspective. This week, we have lots to talk about, but I kind of want to declare today Josh Allen Day because he will be the topic of our discussion for probably about the whole half hour of our podcast. What do you think, Robin? Sound good to you? Oh, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. <laughs> I think so, too. So let's get right in and, and start here. What I want to know and what I want to talk about with you today is I've seen on Twitter that a lot of people said, during the game, Josh Allen should have been benched to gather his thoughts and have him come out and play better at quarterback. Do you think a healthy Josh Allen should ever be benched in the middle of the game because of poor play? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't. And I will say it kind of depends on circumstances always. You know, you have to look at the context of any given situation. but. In this case, no way. I think that would be the absolute worst thing that you could do mm-hmm. because Josh Allen has a lot of stuff going on right now. And the last thing he needs is for someone to rip the rug out from under him. Right. And, you know, and you look at it and you say, Tom Brady looked like hot garbage on Sunday against an elite Bills defense. Do you think Bill Belichick ever thought in his mind, maybe I should bench him a little bit and let him gather his thoughts and, and maybe get better? Hopefully that'll help. Do you think that he ever thought that? Or, you know, Jared Goff hasn't looked as good as he did last year at points. Um, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, any young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks, it's never a good idea to bench your starting franchise quarterback. I don't know why people would think that's okay. You've got to let them take their lumps and bumps and bruises and learn. That's how he learns. He's just finishing up his full 16-game season. You've got to let him learn from these experiences, and that's my opinion. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think, furthermore, it's important to understand where he's at in the trajectory of his career at this point and what happens when you do something like bench a quarterback Mm -hmm. because you're going to do as much psychological damage as, as anything at that point. And you better know what you're doing. So I'm not really of the belief that it's a good idea to sit somebody down for poor play. Who's trying to learn the game. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's just for me, you know, I'm taking a look at the whole picture, the whole big picture here. And I see an offense that is almost completely new from the offensive linemen to the wide receivers, to the running backs, a lot of new players from last year to this year, and they're all still learning to gel as well. Josh Allen made a lot of poor decisions on Sunday. We know that, but it was against an elite defense. Probably Buffalo and New England have the, the two best defenses in the league right now. Their secondary is fantastic, but what Bill Belichick is good at is 
confusing first and second year quarterbacks with the packages that he dials up on defense. They disguised themselves so well. Josh Allen was so confused and he didn't know what he was looking at half the time. <laughs> and because, right? And that's the truth. And because of that, there was an issue where he either thought the pressure was on him right from the start when it wasn't, even when his line was holding up and he would throw the ball in bad spots because of it, or he was holding the ball too long. So he just didn't have a good game, but I think there's just so many factors that go into that. And, you know, at points, some of his wide receivers weren't getting enough separation. They were dropping balls that were right in their hands and should have been caught. The run game, I will say, TJ Yeldon did a fantastic job. Frank Gore is Frank the Tank. I mean, he's just amazing. He did a great job. So the run game really got going. It was just the passing game. Either the pass protection wasn't there. Josh Allen was seeing things that weren't there. He he thought the defenders were closer than they were. And he just made some poor decisions. And I think that all factors in. But that's something that a young quarterback needs to learn from. And hopefully one day say, oh, wait a minute. I can't do this. Right. And he's going to need to learn to do that soon. I just I think we have to give him a few more games yet. Well, certainly there's in four games, there's enough data to see patterns developing. And one of the patterns that we've seen in the first four games is Josh starting the game rattled. And I'm -hmm. not really sure what that's all about. Perhaps he has a mindset when he starts that he's hyper-adrenalized. I talked a little bit about this on Twitter the other day. You know, when you have a release of adrenaline, there's a whole bunch of different things that happen in your body at that point in time. And one way you you can just imagine Josh Allen before the start of the game against the Patriots, this is a big game and Mm -hmm. he's jacked up. And it seems like we've seen this pattern with him before he plays jacked up at the beginning of the game. I think he needs to calm himself I think he needs to not start out every game like hyper adrenalized. And once you get into that mode, you know, that fight or flight mode, it takes about 90 minutes for your body to process the effects of cortisol or adrenaline. Mm. So let's see, 90 minutes, that's right about halftime, isn't it? Correct. So we come out in the third quarter of how many games and all of a sudden we've calmed down and we're more focused and we're able to engage and and do our job more effectively. I think there's enough supporting evidence to suggest that that might indeed be part of the problem. And if so, got to work with that. Josh has got to work with his mindset before the beginning of a game. That's an interesting point, I believe, about the adrenaline as well. Um, I think this Patriots game was so hyped up by fans and the media And a lot of people were like, well, this is the litmus test. And this is what, you know, Buffalo needs to do to win. And are they, you know, are they for real, a 3-0 team? That played into his head too. And then, you know, playing at New Era, it's always an emotional thing there as well. And you're right. I think he needs to learn to calm down a little bit sooner than he does. Here's the thing, though. I fully believe, had Josh Allen stayed in the game and not gotten injured, that he would have won the game for the Bills. Because he came out, like you said, Calm down in the third quarter, right in the opening of the third quarter, swinging, marches the team down the field, gets a touchdown, and he drives in, he drives himself in for that touchdown on the quarterback sneak. He started to calm down and look much better as the game went on, and then boom, he got taken out. Matt Barkley had four chances near the end zone to get a touchdown, 
And he threw that, you know, unfortunate interception that I think it was going to go to Zay Jones or something. But I don't think that happens with Josh Allen. I think that actually, I think he personally takes the ball himself and runs it into the end zone and we win the game. What I want to talk about now is Josh Allen's emotional fragility. How do you think that plays into everything? Do you think he has a little bit going on up in his head right now where he's at a fragile state in his career? Oh, absolutely. And if everybody would indulge me in a little bit of wild babble here, I'd like to talk to start with this discussion, talking about Jerry Sullivan's tweet regarding the fact that E.J. Manuel was pulled from a game at exactly the same point in his rookie career, early career, I should say, uh, at the same time as Josh Allen, where he's at right now, and people are clamoring for him to sit down. Now, Jerry's tweet was very interesting to me because I think that there is a, a period of time that every quarterback goes through And by every quarterback, I'm more referring to your first round picks where everybody has a high expectation of proficiency. Okay, you got drafted seventh, you know, overall. You've got to be good. So you get to a point, and he is at that point right now, which I would call an existential crisis. And what do I mean by that? I mean that there's a whole lot more going on inside Josh Allen's head than even just being a quarterback. For example, let's remember he's 22, 23 years old. He's a young man and he's worked his entire life to get to this point where he could become the man. And now he's the man. And all of a sudden you go from something that you wished for your entire life to all of a sudden it gets real. And now it's getting real for Josh. It's been a, he's got a year's worth of, of starts under his belt. Now is the time that everybody expects him to start producing. And I think at this point, there's so much going on in his head, even beyond football. It's like, are you ready to be a celebrity? Are you really ready to have everybody want to know everything about your every breath in your life? All of a sudden, it becomes real. You know, some of us can remember, I can remember going back to when I was 20 years old Mm -hmm. and the first shift at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center that I had to work in 1976 and realized that I was in charge of the lives of 40 people. It gets real. And so some of this, I think, in terms of you talk about emotional fragility, I think there is a period of time at which quarterbacks in particular reach a point where everybody starts expecting them to be able to produce, and they better produce Mm -hmm. at that point, or they end up like J.P. Lossman, who to this day, I think, was underserved because he didn't have a coaching staff that understood what he needed in terms of support as he goes through this period of time. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a lot of quarterbacks under, you know, the last how many years with the Bills have been underserved for a variety of reasons. But I I think you're right about Allen. I think you can see it on the sidelines when he's getting reamed out by his coaches for making mistakes. And just the way he speaks during press conferences and how he's handling himself, you can see that he's 
at that point where he's finally realizing that, yes, everyone is expecting him to be the franchise quarterback. He sort of knew that last year when he was drafted, but he wasn't expected to play last year. It just happened to be that he was the best quarterback on the team and he was forced to play because of Nathan Peterman, basically. Now he's four games into, and not even really his second season because he's he, he just finished or is just finishing up playing a full 16 games. But technically, yes, this is his second season. His first four games, and he had two come from behind wins this season already, and people are talking about him. The media is talking about him. The fans are hyping him up. There's videos and, you know, all kinds of fun things on him. And he's realizing that, wow, I'm it. I am the face of this franchise. I need to be this and I need to do that. And I think you're right. He's he's taking those things into consideration. He's a little bit emotionally fragile, which goes back to why you should never, ever, ever bench Josh Allen for poor play and he needs to learn through it. He needs to know that he has the support of his team and his coaches. I think at some point there's going to come a time where Josh Allen realizes, and I think it's already starting to happen, but I think he's going to realize, wow, I really did let my teammates down. I can't do this anymore. Or I think Brady had said that, you know, years ago when he got smacked by Nate Clements in Buffalo and Belichick said to him, hey, you want to play in this league? You cannot take hits like that. And Brady said from that point on, that stuck in his head. And that's why he's a pocket passer today. That's why he doesn't want to run around and get hit because he realizes that his body can only handle so much. And I think Josh will get to that point. And I think that Bill's fans need to understand that and give him that time and not be so concerned with what's going on right now. He's still very young, very raw, didn't have the coaching that a lot of these other guys had. And that brings me to our next point that I want to talk about. Bill's fans being irrational. Robin, why? Why are Bill's fans so irrational and have just much higher expectations than they should about this team? Oh, boy. Well, that could take up a whole podcast in and of itself. (laughs) I guess the first thing that I want to say about that is that being a fan, which is short for fanatic, Mm. and if you look at the word fanatic, uh, the word irrational comes right to mind, you know, as a synonym. Mm -hmm. And so by nature, fans are irrational. You know, that's just how you become a fan. And then you take that to a next level of a super fan. And then you really have people who are irrational about their team. I don't know, you know, what it what it's going to take for people to calm down. But I do know that when you've been traumatized this many times by teams that have broken your heart, you know, every in every conceivable way that you get to a point where you have an expectation of failure and then you become irrational. You have a knee jerk response to every bad thing that happens. And I think that's kind of where Bill's fans are at. Yeah, I think so too. I get it. And, you know, some Bill's fans have said to me, well, you know, you got to understand what it's like losing for the last 20 years. Well, yeah, I'm almost 35. I get it. I know what it's like, but I don't know. I I think that I can look at it from the bigger picture, not just pinpoint little nitpick little things and say, this is why we're terrible. And this is why we're bad. And, you know, I just, I like to play devil's advocate, I guess, as you would say. And I like to look at things from both sides. So I think it's why I don't get so up in arms and why 
this week's game and this week's loss didn't crush and kill me. I was I was more upset by the reaction by Bills fans than I was by the team losing. Yeah, I com- I completely get that. I had kind of the same reaction you did um, at one point. It was like, what? You know, before the game started, I said, and many fans did, you know what? As long as they don't get blown out and they look like they're making progress, it's all good, right? That's what we were talking about before the game yes. started. And how it turned into some insanity afterwards is, you know, that's what Bills fans do. <laughs> that is certainly what they do. And actually, on Twitter, um, there's a hashtag going around right now. Hashtag things irrational Bills fans say. And it's perfect because we were already going to talk about that today on our podcast. But if you'll allow me, Robin, I would like to read just a few of them, if, if that's okay. Oh, please do. Okay, good. So Monster Inc. 9177 says, the Buffalo Bills ruined the possible Hall of Fame career of J.P. Lawsman. Hashtag things irrational Bills fans say. Um, let me find a couple more. Hashtag sports. Vlad Dukas was underrated. Hashtag things irrational Bills fans say. Ha. Spencer T. German says, I wish Bon Jovi had bought the team. Hashtag things irrational Bills fans say. <laughs> that's a good one can you imagine um i love these i could probably sit here and read these all day i'll read like two more because these are just fantastic michael vasquez says we lost to the pats again the season's over and then my favorite one probably comes from greg tomzet and wait i'm gonna pull it up from cover one and i told them that i think that he was gonna make a little appearance on our podcast today so i'm keeping my word he says we lost for the first time since December 2018. Fire everyone. And that, I think, sums up just about how rational Bills fans are being right now. Trey, Trey White sucks. Tremaine Edmonds sucks. Josh Allen sucks. Zay Jones sucks. Everybody sucks. Everybody sucks because we lost by six points to the reigning Super Bowl champions who have an elite defense. Everybody should be fired. <laughs> Go figure. So I just wanted to just talk about that a little bit because it is driving me crazy. And I just. I know on Sunday, reading some of those tweets, I was just screaming. And, you know, my husband doesn't even really watch football. And I was trying to explain it to him why I was so mad. And I'm like, I got to call some, I got to talk to somebody else right now. So I called my brother up and I started, and he's a Colts fan, but he gets it. He knows. And I was like, Jared, I have to tell you what some of these fans are saying. It's driving me crazy. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Now, let's get serious again for a minute and talk about Josh Allen's the hit on Josh Allen that led to a conviction ultimately. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people say, you know, the Patriots are dirty. That was a dirty hit. You know, it shouldn't have happened and he should have been ejected. I I'm not going to be popular for this opinion, but I don't agree with that. And I'll tell you why, because Josh Allen was a runner at that point. He's 6'5", you know, 240, 250 pounds. He's a big dude. He's running and trying to fall forward for the first down. People say that the other defender had him stop, but he wasn't stopped yet. He was actually still trying to go for that first down. And that's when cornerback Jonathan Jones from the Patriots comes in. And what happens is it looked to me, after I saw it from a gazillion angles, it looked to me that Jonathan Jones was actually trying to go in for Josh Allen's shoulder. And tackle him because when you were tackling a guy like that with momentum, I mean, it, it has to be a sound tackle. Okay. You have to make a good one. You got to make it hard. So he doesn't get that first down because that could have been a game changer right there. And the bills could have won. 
So he's going in and he's trying to go for the shoulder. But at that same time, Josh Allen lowers his head. And it was it was a bang, bang play where he lowers his head. Jonathan Jones is going for the shoulder and then boom, their helmets collide. But it wasn't intentional. The one thing I didn't like is that he did stand up and kind of, you know, flex against Josh Allen a little bit at the end, which kind of looked bad on his part. But after reviewing it over and over again, I don't think that he should have been ejected. I do think it should have been a penalty because they do need to try to think as much as they can about plays like that. So they don't injure a quarterback like they did with Josh Allen. Um, I would be okay probably with a fine so that it doesn't happen again, but it wasn't cause for ejection. Well, I can't disagree with anything that you've stated. Um, The only thing that I have take exception to with respect to this topic has to do with consistency and how you apply the rules. And I'm digressing a bit, but bear with me because the issue I really have is exactly if Tom Brady did the exact same thing under the same circumstances, whoever hit him would have been ejected. That much I know. The consistency in which that is enforced, I think, needs some work. And because it's like, okay, well, what makes Josh Allen any less important than, than Tom Brady? you know, at this point, but why? Because he's young and, you know, whatever. I think there needs to be more consistency in the message that they're trying to send as well, which is you don't want it to hit the, you don't want to take out the quarterback in the head. Right. You know, that they're trying to send a message, protect the quarterback. If that's the message you're trying to send, then you need to be more consistent with it. And whether or not, you know, somebody should have been ejected or not ejected, you know, to me, that's less relevant. But I do think that there does need to be more consistency in how it's applied. Oh, it absolutely does. And that's the thing, too, is if it had been Brady, not only would he be ejected and he would have been fined a lot, but that player would be watched by the league then for the rest of his career because they would consider him a dirty player. So kind of like Jerry Hughes, the refs always, well, this year he's actually been pretty good, but in prior years, the refs were always keeping a very close eye on Jerry Hughes because they they were ready to throw that personal foul flag. And I think that's what would have happened. So I, I agree, and there should absolutely be consistency. I think if the hit was on Brady, I still don't think that the player should have been ejected or you know anything like that. A flag is good enough, a fine is good enough. However, the refs, you're right they would have favored Brady and the guy would have been thrown out of the game. So there has to be consistency with that. But I just, I wanted to clear it up from my standpoint of, I don't think that it was a dirty hit. I don't think that the player, I don't think Jonathan Jones intentionally tried to hurt Josh Allen. It just, it happened that way and it sucked and it was a fluke and we need to move on from it. That's what I think. And actually I think um, on Twitter, I just saw that he's already, at practice and in like stage four or five of the concussion protocol, which is really good news. Maybe he might even play against the Titans this week. He might. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. 
With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. All right. So before we get to our last topic, the next couple of things here are going to be a little bit more fun. I want to do our hit list, which every week we talk about the Bills player who had the best hit on defense or offense, because last week it was Dawson Knox. This week, there wasn't any kind of wow hits necessarily that kind of you wanted to rewind and watch over and over again. But the player I do want to give the hit list award to this week is Tremaine Edmonds. I think he had a fantastic game. He had 11 tackles, seven were solo, three were assisted. And he also had that one pass deflection that went right through his hands and almost actually intercepted it. And I think that might've actually been a game changer right there had he come down with that interception. But what he did do really well, especially against the run, was he stopped Sony Michelle on a bunch of plays where he was like the first player there, tackled him either for a loss or for very, very minimal gain. And I think he was instrumental in this win. Or Well, it was a loss, but for the defensive win, because I think they were actually the best defense on the field. And I think that he was just instrumental in stopping the run, especially on Sunday. So I do want to give our hit list award to Tremaine Edmonds. Absolutely agree with you. The other thing I'd just like to mention, since we're on the topic of Tremaine Edmonds, I think on Twitter, at least when I look at my timeline, there are a lot of people who are highly critical of his play so far this season. Why? Because he doesn't have a bunch of sex. I'm not really sure what people are seeing because when I look at him on the field, I see a guy who is getting better every week. Yeah. You know, in this last game, he had 11 tackles, seven solo, four assisted, one, you know, pass deflection. He's really all over the place. And every week you can see the light Mm -hmm. coming on in his head even more. Um, I'm very excited about him. And yeah, I don't think there was any one hit that stood out in that game, but he stood out. He sure did. Yeah. And I don't think people are talking about sacks, but they're not accounting for all of his pressures either. Mm -hmm. He gets a lot of pressure. He gets those tip balls and he gets up in the face of the quarterback quite a bit. So it's, it's not just about sacks people. There's other things that go into play and Tremaine Edmonds has really been improving. And a couple people have said, you know, I think he's going to be a star by the end of the season. So yeah, don't get up in arms about him because he's been fantastic. All right. Let's talk about something that I know you want to discuss, Robin, and that I want to discuss and that every Bills fan wants to hear. Is Tom Brady finally declining? (laughs) We can only hope. Uh, However, I I do have a couple of things I'd like to note here because I do think there is some decline in his play. I started noticing it about two years ago at the end of the season. He was losing some velocity on, on some of his longer passes. And 
you know, whether he wants to accept it or not, he is 42 years old and his body is in decline, whether he wants to believe it or not. And last year I saw toward the end of the season, the same thing happening. And you'll notice that Belichick went to a much more ground control game plan later in the season. I don't think that was by accident. I think it was because Tom's arm gets tired. Mm -hmm. And this year, I think we're starting to see it very early because I saw a little bit of, you know, he doesn't have the the same velocity when he throws the football. And the other thing is there's a little bit less accuracy. He used to be deadly accurate. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that anymore. So is he declining? Yeah, I think he absolutely is declining. It sort of reminds me of Peyton Manning's last season, because as the season goes on, his arm's going to get more tired. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my answer is, is he declining? Yeah, he is. Yep. And TB12 will only take you so far. And that's the thing. What I'm seeing from him, and I, I agree because Last year, I thought that Gronk bailed him out on quite a few plays, quite a few balls that were overthrown or underthrown. And, you know, Rob Gronkowski is good at just getting and and making a play on all those kind of balls. So this year, he went up against three teams that just were two of them ranked like pretty close to last in defense. And I think the Jets are like 17. He went against three teams that didn't really give him a challenge. Because of that, I think that he looked better. Of course, he tore those teams apart. You know, he's still Tom Brady. But then he goes against the Bills defense, who are just as elite as the Patriots defense. And he looked like garbage. Yeah, you know, there's no Rob Gronkowski. Julian Edelman was hurt. But you know what? Josh Gordon was taken out of the game for most of the game. Like, he didn't really make any plays. The run game, the Patriots have struggled with all season. And the Bills continued to to put the heat on Sony Michelle. And... It used to be that Brady could make wide receivers look good, but he's at the point now where I don't think he can actually do that anymore because I just saw so many balls that were, you know, overthrown or underthrown or he likes to operate from the pocket. He wasn't able to do that. When you get in his face and pressure him and make him run a little bit, he's not comfortable with that. He was rattled all game and his body's wearing down and he can't throw as strong as he used to. And I do think he's on the decline and I sure hope so because I am ready for the Bills to take over the AFC East. Done and over with. (laughs) Do you have anything to add to that? No, other than the rest of the nation agrees with you. (laughs) Hopefully. Outside Um, of New England. Outside, Yeah, outside of them. The last thing that I do want to do is we have a question from Celeste on Twitter. And she says, how do you feel the game plan against Titans will change depending on if Josh or Barkley is in? That's a very good question, and I'm not sure that the game plan will change a lot because they they need to scheme against the opponent, Mm -hmm. and probably what Dayball will do is put in a game plan where either quarterback can flourish, right? You know, because obviously we know Matt Barkley can't throw a you know 50 yard bomb on a laser. Um, That's not his forte. But I think the plan probably will be to put something together that you could insert either quarterback and it it would be okay. Yeah, he's good at that. He's good at, Dable's good at planning for the team and for the quarterback that's in at the time. I think that we are going to rely a lot more on the run game this week because 
yeah, Matt Barkley doesn't have the arm that Josh Allen does. So we're not going to see a lot of deep balls. We'll see more short stuff, but Matt Barkley does have his experience. He's more calm and collected. He's also not, you know, supposed to be the franchise guy. So he doesn't have that pressure on his shoulders, but also he is good at anticipating his throws. You see the ball get there right as, you know, the wide receiver, the tight end is turning their head around. That's something that Josh has to work on that Matt Barkley is very good at. So, you know, I still think that we have a good shot to win. The Titans have a decent defense, but they're nowhere near the level the Patriots is. Yeah, actually, I do think that there there are some things about the Titans um, that scare me. Uh, their defense, even though it's not as good as the, the Patriots defense, it's sound. It's a very solid defense. I only wish that Ryan Tannehill would start instead of Marcus Mariota, because we all know what the Bills can do to Ryan Tannehill. But I think they can still do the same thing to um, Marcus Mariota, because the Bills defense is elite. And they will get into Marcus Mariota's head and get a couple of turnovers. And I think that will be um, what cements the game for the Bills. All right. I just want to make sure that you're listening to all of the great podcasts on Buffalo Rumblings. They are Believe, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Blitz Bills, Circling the Wagons, and The Nick Nolan Show. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, Go Bills! Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.